Hello, my name is Will, and you're listening to Exploding Helicopters, the only podcast in the world dedicated to celebrating helicopter explosions in film. Now, in 1982, the film First Blood introduced the world to the psychologically damaged Vietnam veteran John Rambo. But it wasn't until the film's sequel that the character became a movie and cultural icon, where his name became a shorthand for macho self-sufficiency and violent retribution. So on this show, we're looking at Rambo First Blood Part 2. And talking of cinema's most mentally troubled characters, my guests are two emotionally stunted men incapable of functioning in normal society. With me today are Barry and Hiro from the True Bowman's podcast. How you doing, guys? Hey, Will. Thanks for having us, man. Yeah, I'm just glad that I could function well enough today to, to join in on the Skype call, so I'm glad I to be I thought we here. were being invited because we both like to wear jade chokers. <laughs> like that, we have matching you know, jade chokers. My American flag underwear, my jade choker, I'm ready to come to war. And this is the introduction I get. I don't know how to feel about that. It's little, I opened up my salty. cans of beans with like a giant Bowie knife, <laughs> like a, the serrated end. I just like chew it apart. That's my in-car navigation is the compass on the end of my big Rambo knife. I just always drive north no matter what. I just, no matter where I'm going. Now, gentlemen, as you know, my life is dedicated to the celebration of uh, helicopter explosions in films. But I wanted to ask what your relationship is with the uh, helicopter explosion in movies. So, uh, yeah, I like all explosions. I think I don't know if I would put helicopters uh, above too many Love other explosions? things. Love explosions. You know, but but a good helicopter explosion is fun to see. And, you know, based off of your show, you'd think you would have a limited number of options, but apparently not. There are quite a few exploding helicopters in the world of cinema. So it's uh, it's it's an interesting topic. To kind of broach, and, and I think exploding helicopters would rain. They'd be my top five exploding items, I would say. I think that's what I would do. <laughs> I won't lie. I actually never really focused on them just quite as much as until I started listening to your show. So now it's one of those things that your show has actually ruined movies for me. Because <laughs> now when I see an exploding helicopter, I, I tend to like dissect it and look at it, like thinking about your show. And it's just, it's ruining any movie that has an exploding helicopter in it for me. So. There you go. That's my relationship. I thought I'd be enhancing these films for you. You, you. I thought you'd be now taking like more pleasure in in these explosions, in these these kind of classic cinematic moments. Normally, I just like to explode all over my screen, all over me. But now I'm like dissecting it. I'm not. My mind isn't in the moment. My mind is like kind of breaking it down mentally a little too much. What it is 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 he feels bad thinking about another man all the time. So every time he watches an exploding <laughs> helicopter movie, now he thinks of Will, and he's uh, you know, he doesn't know how to feel about that. It confuses him. Do you prefer like Hiro to be thinking about you all of the time? Is this is this what it's going down I, I, there, to? There's jealousy. There, yeah, I mean that that's that comment was based with a little bit of jealousy at the back. You know, anytime he shows affection anywhere else, I have to kind of lash out, like kind of try to keep my man close but it doesn't work he, he's often straying to other podcasts but uh you know it's such as life i guess I, I knew what i was getting into when we started our show so i think there's room in uh, hiro's life for both of us barry but uh you know he's got a big heart you know he, there, there's plenty of love to go around so yeah. i guess he, I, he might, I should he might share. flirt with me but i you know i'm sure he's going to come back to you at the end of the day so as long as he comes home at night right that's yeah. all that matters and some it's all right smelling good. like bangers and mash and and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and body to nail or something like that <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Well, I'm getting a better picture of the American stereotype of uh, of Britons here. So, uh, I oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's, this is a this is a useful show already. A useful show. So, uh, before we uh, start chatting about Rambo, I always like to check in with my guests, uh, find out about something interesting they've seen lately. So, uh, I wondered what you had for me, gents. Well, uh, Barry and I actually were together last week. We're, we don't, uh, as some people know or some some people may not know, that Barry and I don't live near each other, so we record over Skype. But once a year, we take a vacation. And uh, on this vacation, we always like to get out and 
do a little date, watch a movie together. We went to see the new Star Trek Beyond joint. Yes, we did. We got to see the Chris Pine being Captain Kirk once again. So and we actually didn't really get to, to podcast about it. We didn't talk about it much. So this is uh, this is our opportunity to to talk about it. So uh, I thought it was fine. It was pleasant, I guess. It was just a little too much. Too much action noise for my taste. Um, Justin Lin, I think it is, took over. Justin he, Lin did it, yeah. He's like, he hit that Fast and the Furious hammer right over the head. You know, he's just, the cameras are turning and flipping and there's action and there's explosion. There's just nonsense nonstop. And I kind of just wanted to settle down with the, uh, with the characters. And then when they're interacting and they're just in quiet moments talking, the movie's much better than what it is. Just pure explosion and stuff. It just wore my ass out. Just almost put me to sleep. Yeah, it's a lot of camera work for such a small-minded movie, kind of. You know, just a basic Star Trek movie. There's a lot of... He's trying to showcase what he can do, and I don't know if it necessarily comes through in the Star Trek film, but I agree with Hyro. It's fine. I mean, it's it's enjoyable. I've heard a lot of positive praise about it, about being kind of the summer of the movie so far, and I don't know if I could agree with that sentiment at all, but it's it's okay. I mean, I've, I've liked the other two as well, so, I mean, this is kind of right in line. A, a decent film to watch, but nothing to... Nothing to buy the Blu-ray for or put it on a top ten list at the end of the year for sure. Is it out in the UK already, Will? Yeah, it's out in the UK. I haven't got around to seeing it because I didn't particularly enjoy the first film. Oddly, I kind of found the, the second film slightly more enjoyable. I didn't think it was any great shakes, but uh, this was a film, as soon as it came out, I was just thinking I could just wait for this to come out on TV because I don't need to see this in the uh, cinema but uh, how do you think this one stacks up against the the other two in this kind of rebooted franchise i think it's definitely the least of the three in my opinion i think it's kind of declined like a diminishing returns is, is the word i'm looking for yeah, that's what it is for me yeah i agree i mean i would i would rank this three out of the new reboots as well but i mean it's i enjoyed it like i said i, I you know if it comes on hbo in the future i'll, I'll watch it again but it's you know, it's nothing. I definitely don't blame you for waiting for it to come out on TV at all, Will. It's just, it's an okay movie at best, so. Okay, well, I think it's time to get stuck into Rambo 2, so uh, sharpen your Bowie knife, tie on a bandana, perm your mullet, and listen to Trailer Man give us a summary of Rambo's CV. Joined Army 6 June 69. Accepted Special Forces. <laughs> Helicopter and language qualified. Expert in light weapons and guerrilla warfare. Sylvester Stallone is back as Rambo. Rambo is the best combat vet I've ever seen. His mission to locate American POWs in Vietnam. Think you'll find someone? POWs? Doubtful. His orders not to engage the enemy. He's got 36 hours to complete the mission and reach the extraction point. We're going down! You're not going anywhere. I'm telling you to abort. Double-crossed and left behind enemy lines. You're the one who's making the mistake. Yeah, what mistake? Rambo. And now, he's getting out any way he can. Rambo First Blood Part 2 came out in 1985. 
It was the first sequel in a series which now runs to four films. It begins with Rambo in prison as a consequence of events in First Blood. He's offered the chance of a pardon if he undertakes a secret mission to look for evidence that American POWs are still being held in Vietnam. But it seems not everyone in the American government is as keen to find survivors. And after Rambo is betrayed, it falls to him alone to save the POWs. Once again, we have Sylvester Sloan in the role of Rambo and Richard Krenner as his old friend and mentor, Colonel Troutman. Lantern-jawed character actor Charles Napier plays a shady politician and rent-a-villain actor Stephen Burkoff, who you may remember from Octopussy or Beverly Hills Cop, plays an evil Russian colonel. It was directed by George P. Cosmatos and was based on a script originally written by none other than James Cameron. When it was released, the film was critically mauled, with viewers condemned it uh, as populist posturing and dubbed it an unpleasant revenge fantasy. But it was a huge box office success and one of the top three grossing films of the year. But let's find out what my guests thought. Gents, what did you make of Rambo 2? Maybe as a red-blooded American, I have to say that this is probably my favorite Rambo film. I absolutely <laughs> love it. I, I, I saw this in 1985 when it came out. I was around the age of seven, you know, so and, and I've probably watched it. 20 25 times since then maybe more like i i actually own the the rambo blu-ray box set and if you watch the blu-ray with the special features it actually keeps a a kill count on the bowie knife so that's uh you know i i guess i have to apologize but i i genuinely like this movie i think it's just a lot of fun you know i mean it's it's preposterous for sure but you know from uh i guess a revenge fantasy perspective it, it works very well so I, I like it quite a bit i can't help myself either i know it's trash I watched it and I, had, I was laughing as I watched it and I'm rolling my eyes and I watch it and I have probably a full page of notes of just – and the way I take notes is like nuggets of nonsense that I see because I – you know, it's a comedy show that we run, not, not a movie review podcast. So I, I just nonsense that I saw over and over again. But at the same time, there's a large dose of nostalgia here because I did watch this when I was a kid. And there is just a buff dude kicking ass. I mean, that's all it is. It's it's much like the fourth Rambo where he just didn't speak. He didn't do anything. There's no plot to it. It's just him just eviscerating some foreign cat, you know, in a different <laughs> uniform, dude. Just being a disgusting American, you know, give me another PBR. Well, I have to say I'm kind of in the same camp as you guys because uh, I saw this film back in the 80s, not when it came out, but sort of at the back end of the 80s, where when in my was in my teenage formative years, and yeah, I just couldn't help but respond to this uh, super muscle guy just machine gunning people to death with willful abandon. And for me, it's kind of like one of the crowning achievements of a particular type <laughs> of 80s action movie, which is just full of muscles, machine guns, and mullets. And this, as I say, I think this is the crowning achievement of that sort of unshackled... Is that a mullet? That's got to be a mullet. How can that That's not, not be a, a mullet? mullet? That's like yeah, a... It's just, it's just long, flowing logs. It's Maybe fetid. you guys have a different definition of mullet in uh, it, England, It's more... Not... It's. I think that hair was more John Travolta in Welcome Back, Cotter than <laughs> Billy Ray Cyrus. You know what I mean? That that mullet was just... That wasn't a mullet. That was just a, a big feathered frock. It's a good-looking head of hair, my friend. I, I, I can't uh, I, I can't abide by the, the bashing of the of the flowing logs. It looks good on him, I think. It's, it uh, looks it's like something that belongs in Rob Roy. <laughs> well, he's keeping the back of his neck warm and i i kind of think that is the key component of any of any mullet okay so just the, the length of the back is the mullet aspect okay for me yes but i'm probably speaking to two men from the country that have done more to popularize and stylize <laughs> the mullet so i'm prepared 
to uh, bow to your expertise in this area. You look like Sigourney Weaver's in Ghostbusters. (laughs) (laughs) It was just massive. Uh, Like like... like in my head, all these women's hair is just going through my mind. Like, and it keeps coming back to Sigourney Weaver. Like Sigourney Weaver in Aliens, Sigourney Weaver in Ghostbusters. It's just that's what he looked like. A a little teasing, and he'd be ready for toddlers and tiaras. You know, I mean, it's just this big, fluffy bouffant that's kind of blow-dried and feathered. Like he's ready to rock and roll, man. Like he's at the disco cutting a move. I I think Rambo could uh, Rambo could get it done with the ladies, my friend, with that kind of head of hair. Going briefly back to the film, I wanted to kind of uh, find out what you guys made of the kind of portrayal of the Rambo character in this film compared to the first film, because. I don't know, for me, they feel like quite different movies. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think, you know, in the in actual the First Blood, I mean, Rambo is kind of this troubled soldier returning home, trying to find his way a, a little bit. And in the second one, I mean, he's almost a superhero personified. I mean, he's an unstoppable killing machine. And it's it's the, the motivations that he has are very, I don't want to say limited. I, I mean, I, I think, you know, rescuing, rescuing POWs is, is an admirable desire, but it is kind of, it's a, it's a much bigger reaction from him as a character. You know, it's, it's almost like I said, it's, he, he becomes Superman. I don't know. I is think. he really that different? Because in both movies, when we enter the film, he's just a quiet guy. He's going about his business. He wants nothing to do with anything until something else kind of triggers him. You know, he's asked to do a job. Go take some pictures, you know, go hang out, whatever, whatever. He only really goes bananas when he's pushed too far. You know, once you kill his girlfriend of 45 seconds, you're going to have to slaughter the entire Vietnamese army. I think that's the thing, though, right? I mean, like the backwoods Washington state cops or the town cops that he defeats in the first Rambo. I mean, there's there's not a lot of body count. There's some casualties. I mean, there's some cuts and, and scrapes and, and injuries. But I mean, in this, I mean, he almost, he takes out an army, like at least a battalion worth of people single handedly. I mean, it, it, it it's was definitely almost like a bigger scale. Uh, like he was um, Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Terminator, where he's not allowed to kill people. He just like maimed that town. You know, yeah, in the just, first one, yeah, for yeah, sure. And yeah. this one, he's just really giving it to him. Maybe yeah. that's the difference. The I, gloves I mean, but are off. There were some deep what... feelings in that relationship that pushed him over the edge after 45 seconds. I don't want to jump ahead on Will's podcast, but you already mentioned the You've choker. You've already taken it over. It happened. That, <laughs> that Jade choker, that was tied on her neck. So either she's got a big, fat, beefy neck, or he should have lost consciousness when he put that thing <laughs> on. <laughs> No way any man should be able to wear a lady's choker. Like, what is going on? I, the whole time, I'm like, what? Like, no, like, he should be turning blue. Like, I just kept waiting for him to, like, David Carradine himself, you know? Like, oh, that's my just goodness. what I was going to happen. Easy, I was like, my conscience. I mean, it right was, now, but, I mean, like, uh, his example is, like, sitting on top of the jade. It's, like, <laughs> they're just going to pop off there like a button, like a fat man in a button-up shirt. Just gonna That jade was going to fire oh. off. It was like he took an anklet and then tried to tie it around his neck. <laughs> what kind of grown ass man puts on a choker? He looked like uh, like Alicia Silverstone in, in Clueless. You know what I mean? He, it was just a horrible look. It's not a good look. Yeah, put it in your pocket. I mean, if you need to take the memento, put He's it. Got in your the Sigourney pocket. Weaver hair, the Alicia Silverstone choker. Not a good look. But going back, I have to say I'm kind of more in line with uh, what Barry was saying. I, I do think there is a kind of like a difference here between the first film and, and the second film because he deliberately tries not to kill people in, in the first film. And there is one death, but you could argue that that's a sort of accidental death. He throws this rock at a helicopter and guy falls out. So it's a bit of a sort of accidental one. Whereas here, he's just straight out of prison. 
point me at some gooks, I'm going to blow them away. There it is. There yeah, it like, is. yeah, like, yeah. The <laughs> leash is taken off, and he just opens the floodgates, man. Like, he's just waiting to get back in there. Like, that's all this was. And uh, He's got some know, pent-up history. I mean, they are the ones... Uh, he was in Vietnam. They're the ones tortured. that caused trauma for, for the first film, for sure, yeah. yeah. And nobody likes the Russians either, man. Let's be honest. I mean... I, this Even is, today, let's go. Right, I mean, we we talked about this on our show before. Hire, we talk about Rocky Four being such an incredible propaganda film. I mean, this has got to be up there, number two, number three. I mean, you know, the mid '80s, the height of the Cold War. Uh, you know, and this is I, you would say the Russians are kind of the main bad guy, right? They're the kind of the the interlopers that come in and are, they're kind of pulling the strings of what's happening in in the the old Vietnam and it's just it's such a clever way for an American audience I think to really get them behind this movie. I don't know if it's just, clever man this is pretty well, heavy. Not, not clever. I mean it's it's clever in the sense that it's going to be an automatic buy-in from a patriotic standpoint, right? It's but it's it's easy to do. It's the same thing that from from like a wrestling perspective, you know, when they had the, the old bad guys like Nikita Volkov and stuff, right? You're automatically a heel Nikita if you're from Volkov, Russia. What a reference. So why do you think the Russians were in this film? Because they don't really need to be here. And for me, I felt the only reason they were here was because it would be too embarrassing if it was just Rambo going to fight the Vietnamese. They're not like a big enough or worthy enough opponent. So you've got to have, you've got to have the Soviets in there as the puppet yeah. masters pulling the strings. Well, it was the Cold War. That's the height of the Cold War, right? I mean, uh, yeah. that was our sworn enemy. We, we, if this is a propaganda film, you got to put our big enemy up on the screen and, and, yeah. and I mean, this let's is, do battle. This is the middle of the Reagan era here in America. Show who's boss. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's chaos. It was, the nuclear weapons were, were going to be launched at any moment. So it just makes sense to kind of have them be the main bad guy. And I mean, you know, I think from an American perspective, you know, when, when you think of, of communism, which is, I guess, what kind of part of the Vietnam War was about trying to stop the spread of communism. That was always, you know, for, from growing as a kid growing up in the eighties, when you thought communist, it was Russia. That was always kind of the advertised bad guy it was the, the, you know, the red sickle kind of thing. So it's easy to make them be is it a gold? Uh, the overall no it's not it's a, I mean, it's gold flag, on a with flag but it's it's a red the red the, the the red flag the iron curtain it's 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 kind it's of, been so long you know since they got defeated by america that's not i don't know big god we win so yeah you know cheers so in the mid 80s we saw like a massive boom in movies about vietnam so we had things like platoon casualties of war hamburger hill we had a whole glut of vietnam war movies and in the sort of decade prior to that, there'd been one or two or sort of maybe one a year sort of coming out. But as I say, in the kind of mid 80s, we saw this sort of massive boom in movies looking at this particular war. So just wanted to get your guys perspective on why you thought America was so keen to refight the Vietnam War at this point in time. It is an interesting question because there's so my, I guess my opinion is this. We weren't exactly as Americans. We were I'll be honest. Americans weren't exactly very successful in Vietnam. You know, we're coming off of Vietnam here in the 70s, kind of licking our wounds a little bit. And uh, we have to reestablish our soft power. You know, our hard power wasn't exactly um, living up to the billing. So why not export what America exports best, which is pop culture, and promote that message out there that, you know, if you can't beat them in, in reality, just, just pour it on with the soft power. So oh, yeah. I don't know. It feels like it's just kind of, uh, retribution maybe i don't know if retribution is the right word it's um kind of covering it up or what it, what's the word barry yeah you're, you're trying to kind of do a, a little bit of a, a historical rewrite i think yeah there it is and i think for the vietnam films that came out in the 80s there was definitely 
seemingly almost two films. There were the casualties of war, the platoon, the kind of, you know, uh, look how Did Chuck bad- Norris go like fight Vietnamese. Like, yeah, like look times. how badly we failed. And then we get the Rambo and the missing in Atkins that are us basically going back and, you know, kicking ass and kind of taking names. So uh, <laughs> you, you there, there's no kind of middle ground there. It's either, you know, we were over there for no real reason and it was horrible, a full metal jacket, platoon, et cetera. Or we go back to to win the war a second time, almost like you said, to kind of reestablish <laughs> this, you know, uh, pseudo dominance for whatever reason over this small country in the Pacific. I don't understand why this 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 beef against Vietnam uh, was so heavy. But I mean, it was very popular here in the 80s, I think. I mean, it was still it was still fresh in everybody's mind. You know, why I mean, not just make movies of, of um of us drinking beers, cooking steaks and, hmm. you know, that kind of thing. I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe that doesn't play. I, I don't know. There's not, uh, you know, it's not. I, I can't tell you why they didn't go that direction. Well, I'm just going to throw this out there. If you were going to watch a muscle Sylvester Stallone go and shoot some Vietnamese, or if you're going to go and watch a muscle Stallone throw a few steaks on a barbecue, which of these two movies are you going to go and pay to watch? I'm going to uh, abstain from this question. Because <laughs> <laughs> my answer might be deemed as. Uh horrifically racist but i do love steak i'm a foodie <laughs> chef was the best film of 2014 um, a, a delicious film and i you know what i'm gonna go with stallone i'm gonna go with stallone cooking steaks <laughs> as long as we get some good close-ups and nice seasonings i'm, I'm okay the shirtless flexing flipping over the steak that, that's got to be the uh that's got to be the cornerstone of any great stallone well, i mean film. if you go to the when he's tying his shoelaces his shoelaces are either made of steel <laughs> or every motion of his body is going to, you know, cause his muscles to just rip to pieces, like just bulging out of control. I mean, this film absolutely fetishizes like Sylvester Stallone's body. As it should. It's just completely tan. I think the only thing he's wearing in this film is like baby oil over these muscles that he's got that are slowly sort of rippling on camera throughout the whole damn thing and it's, it's kind of like some sort of perverse eroticism with these with his muscles on display and the way he has to suffer in this film there's a there's a distinct strand of sadomasochism in this film the way he's he's put on that rack that kind of mattress and electrocuted and we kind of get to see all his veins bulging out of his arms and so forth wow this is like porn right here like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is will is writing for penthouse forum <laughs> it, it is it is a kind of male pornography I completely, I mean, even in the first scene when we, we see him in the prison, like his yeah. prison shirt is unbuttoned down to like the second button on the belly button. Like it's just, he might as well just have it, yeah, he might as well have it just tied around or just let it fly open, man. Like tie it around. His, what is he? What is he? I, I don't know. Like it's, it's not buttoned. Probably. I don't know what he's doing with it, man. But it, you know, we, we can't cover up the pecs, man. You gotta let him, you gotta let him fly. And it's, it takes uh, a lot of work to get there, buddy. I mean, shit. If I, I got look, there at any moment of my life, I'd be, doing the exact same thing amen if i looked like that i would never wear a shirt i'd, I'd go shirtless to church if i went to church it would be always for that <laughs> shirt on it, it's funny too to kind of see stallone obviously in the mid 80s i mean he's he's kind of at his peak physical condition and you know he, he almost had this ongoing battle with arnold like who could be the most oily and muscular in these big summer <laughs> blockbusters uh that came out and i mean he, he couldn't compete with arnold in in size but he was always so cut man he just he looked great he really does he looks great and it is this this it is kind of this homoerotic fantasy almost like i mean he's just glistening all the time you know it's just it's, it's odd to kind of see him uh in this film and just flexing tying his boots and you know the the, the jesus christ pose coming out of the water on the rack on the, the yak rack i mean it's just always there always semi-shirtless 
he looks good. I like it. I can't complain. So the Rambo character became a kind of cultural icon in the in the 80s. So his, his name became like an adjective for responding or retaliating uh, in an aggressive way. Uh, Ronald Reagan, who was obviously the president at the time, he seemed to be a fan and, and was quoting uh, Rambo in, in speeches that he gave about the tax system and, and also Didn't about really. how... He, yeah, he said he wanted to take on the federal tax system in the spirit of Rambo. And I think after the hostage crisis in 85 in Beirut, and he sort of said at a press conference there that after seeing Rambo, I know what to do next time this happens. So, you know, he, you know, you've got, wow. <laughs> you've got, you've got the, the president of the country is taking the name of Rambo as the, uh, and taking his approach as one which uh, the country should be sort of taking forward. And, you know, I think that is all sort of emblematic of the way in which this, uh, yeah, the kind of Rambo became sort of, this kind of cultural icon. So I wanted to yeah, get your ideas as to what it was that you thought about his character that appealed to people so much. I don't I And this is a tough one. I, honestly, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm at a loss for words. This is, I find this character to be a bit grotesque. Yes, I do love him, but I am a grotesque creature, so it does fit me. So <laughs> I don't know, man. But, but I think you're absolutely right. I, I mean, you kind of mentioned earlier, it's this, this projection of soft power through film, right? It's, it's trying to, to, to build yourself up for, from an ego perspective to this character that's kind of so capable of, at the time, maybe writing a, a seamed wrong of us losing the Vietnam War. You know, he's able to go back and single-handedly achieve that goal. So, you know, as America, we kind of like to, to have this idea that we're, you know, leaders and, and kind of the, the, the shiny beacon for the world. Uh, and, and we're always winners. And, and that's, I mean, that's what Rambo essentially is in this movie. I mean, he comes out, you cannot come out more on top than Rambo does in this film, almost. I mean, uh, I guess uh, aside from his girl getting killed in the, in the, in the scope of this film, like he achieves so much. Like he, he wins that's the war. His 45 second girl. Well, I mean, it's, it's a brief relationship, but I mean, it is his girl. There's definitely, uh, he's going to take her back, man. He's going to take her back to, to take her back to America. That's what she wants to do. Live the quiet life. I've, I feel bad for this poor girl. You know, she got kinda suckered just, into that, man. Thrown into this. Did you ever see that movie Green Card with Gerard Depardieu? Where she's like, <laughs> no, I'm not, I don't watch a lot of Gerard Depardieu films. That's I'm what sorry. she's trying to do. She's trying to get to the stage. She's using the man. Get out of here, hooker. Did you guys ever watch the uh, Rambo children's animated series? I watched a couple of episodes, but I mean, it's just in the, it, it's in the ether out there. I, I barely remember it. I do remember playing the Rambo children's video game on the Nintendo, on the NES. I played that quite a bit. Yeah, I, I'm the same. I played the Nintendo game, but I don't really remember the animated series very much at all. Like, I don't have any real recollection of it. Well, the series was called Rambo, uh, The Force for Freedom, and apparently, as it was being sort of developed for uh, children's television, uh, the child psychologists who were working on the program recommended that there be no reference to Vietnam in the program, no reference to POWs, or no reference to Rambo's experiences in either First Blood or First Blood Part 2. So it kind of makes you wonder why on earth they were uh, creating this particular property. At that point, he's beyond Vietnam or beyond what's going on in these films. He's he's just a um, a, a cause celeb. He's just a he's just a figurehead for America at that point. He's he's no longer someone who suffered or someone who went through all these things. He's just a you know personification of American culture. I, I think yeah. I mean, I, I just Rambo becomes he almost becomes 
an extension like he 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 becomes the knife i mean it's called the rambo knife you know like every little kid was asking for that for christmas like that's just all you know you were talking about this tv show and you've been posting a lot of stuff uh this week will leading up to, to this recording about like you know there was chewing gum about rambo and like how old was boys. that goddamn chewing gum like I, I just I had you know I have no recollection of any of this stuff. Like I mean I watched this movie dozens of times, but you know like I said I just all this and it's I mean this is a hard R movie you know and it's like no we're gonna aim toys at kids for this you know this is going to be what we carry around like Nintendo games and and you know weapons and you know it just it's so insane that they can kind of just push that down to 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 the lowest level from from an age demographic sort of and and have kids embrace this uber violent character even aside from tortures that he went through or the Vietnam War. I mean, he, he's known as a killer, and they're still trying to get that message out there. This is who you want to be. You want to emulate this person. You want to be an unstoppable force. Yeah, I find it inconceivable that you could make a film like this today and that uh, studio executives would then start thinking, okay, how can we create spin-offs to market to kids? That's like taking the transporter or something and trying to market to the kids, you know, like it's just it's unfathomable. Yeah, that'd be like if uh, if Kevin Spacey's character from Seven had his own children show, like Mr. <laughs> okay, you're Rogers' gone. neighborhood. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about Rambo. He's a piece of. I, you're gonna uh, com- you're gonna compare a serial the killer. The levels of violence are pretty similar. I'm just saying. Man was heartbroken after a 45 second relationship. How many times have I tell you? Uh, the mud burial is pretty impressive, I do have to admit, that the quick, uh, I mean, he just goes through a range of emotion. I mean, the funeral, the grief, the choker, and then the annihilation. Like, those sound like the classic stages of, of grief to me, Barry, but, uh. I think that's what it is, yeah, so. Where do you guys rank this film in the Rambo series? Ooh, wow. I'd probably say, for me, it's a tie between this one and the fourth one for second place behind the first one so it'd be one and then two of four tied and then him starting osama bin laden's career his last place see it's tough because i i definitely agree that that one and two are such vastly different movies and i appreciate them i think differently but from a from a pure enjoyment perspective i I think first blood part two has to be my favorite one like it's just it's easier to watch i mean you know he he's really being tortured in the first one and you could almost say that he doesn't really get his real retribution you know like i mean he kind of just has this this really down moment kind of towards the end but in this one like i said he he wins i mean he comes out on top like i mean it's just it's perfect always wins what do you mean I said he doesn't win in the first one. He goes to prison for a number of years. That's not winning. That's not. Uh, he doesn't exactly leave on good terms after this one either, does he? He's just like but smashed he's free up the whole and clear. Place. I mean, he just kind of wanders out into the wilderness. I don't know where he plans on going. Well, we see him in three. We see where he goes. But he's uh, like kickboxing and mu- doing Muay Thai. <laughs> anyway, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to be looking at the exploding helicopter action. <laughs> All right, Kristen, I am so excited that you've decided to do a podcast with me, but what are we going to do a podcast about? There's so many other movie podcasts. we got to do something original. Well, you know, I'm a big fan of Disney movies. What about something like that? That's just kid stuff. What do we want to do that for? Did you know that The Avengers is a Disney movie or that Pulp Fiction is a Disney movie? Pulp Fiction is not a Disney movie. It's technically owned by Miramax, which is part of Disney. We are still going to talk about the Disney animated movies, though, right? I thought you said that was kid stuff. 
Well, you know, I've got two kids. i got to be a good dad and stuff. So be sure to subscribe to the Walt Set Me Podcast, where we discuss the various subsidiaries of the Walt Disney Studio, including the animated movies. It's available on iTunes, Podomatic, and wherever you find great podcasts. And I swear, it's not kid stuff. We're back, and now we're going to look at the exploding helicopter action. So our favourite fiery delight happens towards the end of the film. Rambo escapes the Viet Cong prison camp with the POWs in a stolen Huey helicopter. He's pursued by Colonel Podosky, who's piloting a Mill MI-24 Hind helicopter, although eagle-eyed aficionados will notice that it's actually an SA-330 Puma dressed up to look like one. There's an aerial duel between the two whirlybirds before Rambo's damaged chopper lands on a riverbed. We see Rambo's body sprawled across the cockpit as if he's fatally wounded. As Podofsky's chopper hovers nearby, Rambo springs back to life and shoots a bazooka through a hole in the windshield, blowing up the colonel's chopper. Gentlemen, what did you make of the exploding helicopter action here? It's incredible. I mean, the the, the playing possum is 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 truly a a great, wonderful war tactic. Uh, but but I do have to say, from a I don't know. I guess you don't want to get too into realism with this movie, but uh, you know the the fact that he fires that that bazooka with people in the back, they they would all be burned to death. I mean, the the, <laughs> the fire exhaust coming off of that rocket killed all the POWs that he had just saved. But aside from that, I, I mean, it really is. It's a really cool scene, you know, because you have you know the rotor still flying and the the water kind of flying about. I mean, it's really well filmed and just you know it is kind of that that ultimate payoff, one big explosion to kind of really bring it home for rambo i i really liked it i thought it was a great climax for him to kind of eventually vanquish the the, the true baddie of the film I, I really liked it did you think it was sporting for him to play possum like that no how dare you <laughs> how dare you question the man i mean he's undermanned he's undergunned he's carrying a bunch of carcasses in the back uh posing as as pow's of course it's fair game is sporting what is this is this, is this are we dueling is this alexander hamilton what, what what's going on here <laughs> The, the I, pretend hind against, you know, a, a Huey, man. I mean, one's an attack helicopter, the other one's a, a transport. It's an unfair fight. It's like trying to, to race a guy in a Maserati when you're on your bicycle. Like, you know, you've got to take every advantage you can. Absolutely. I, I, think it's, uh, there, there's, there's, I don't know if you have this saying uh, over there in England, but if, if, you, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. That's what we say here in America. So you've got to, <laughs> you've got to give it all, you know, uh, you know, close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. You've got to win at all costs. We're the home of the Queensbury rules, so, you know, if you're not cheating, if not trying, that that doesn't fly as a saying over here, I tell you. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know. I'll tell you what, though, uh, Will. This reminded me of something like uh, Game of Thrones or and, – and there's a lot of movies like this where you take the man down and you don't kind of finish a job. You kind of poke and prod at him. You know, you've seen this in a lot of movies. Like, it just makes no sense. Like, just – you see something like John Wick. Where the, he, he takes the man down, he just double taps him, get him out of here. You know, he, he knows he's 100% done with him. Here, you know, the Russian colonel kind of floats in on him kind of quietly, just kind of snickering. It's just this long, drown out thing. I, I've never understood this. That's why, you know, when I see something like John Wick, I just, okay, cool, man. That's, that's how you would do it. You knock the guy down and then you just kind of just make sure business is taken care of. Here, yeah. he just kind of toys with the carcass and then the carcass comes back to kill him. It's almost the 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 villain trope, right? He's he's monologuing without monologuing. The smirk and the hovering in the helicopter uh, essentially works as the bad guy's monologue to allow the, right. the good guy to recover quickly enough to to take advantage. Yeah, it's the classic villain's fatal flaw where he has to enjoy or savor the moment too much, and then 
that provides an opportunity for the hero to come in and ultimately defeat him. So, But we were also in this film actually, I thought, potentially deprived of a second uh, helicopter explosion because it was only on this rewatch that I noticed that uh, right at the very end of the film, after uh, Rambo um, helicopters the POWs back into the base, he goes off to confront this shady uh, congressman called Murdoch and he sort of confronts him, then comes out of the hangar and in, in the background we see the same helicopter that uh, Rambo has piloted these POWs in and suddenly rather than being intact it's now suddenly all burnt out all the rotor blades are all bent and crumpled and it looks like there must have been some sort of explosion it basically looks like it must have blown up in a fireball at some point but we don't see it on screen and I thought we'd been cheated I don't know, Will. This is uh, this is exploding helicopters, not the burning helicopter show. Um, <laughs> and that thing could have just easily because when it's co- when it's coming in, it's smoking. It's already there's a little fire going on there. It could have just caught fire and burned, engulfed it, in flames it's a not little exactly bit. The same yeah. as ex- an explosion, is it? You know, I mean, let's talk about the how we differentiate between burning helicopter versus exploding helicopter. Well, I guess it kind of comes down to that sort of classic question of of you know if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there to hear it you know does it make a sound and it's like here if a if a helicopter turns into a smoking burning carcass and there's no one there to see it you know did it did it explode it's not a perfect uh, metaphor or or simile <laughs> i you know i i can see that the cheat but but i agree i i think for me if you're talking about an exploding helicopter. I really like the the catalyst. I like the the bazooka being fired at the pretend hind. You know, I really like that outside entity acting with it like a crash or something. If it's if it's just kind of smoking from damage, uh, and then there's kind of a, a an explosion or just kind of a, a general burning and charring from like fuel leakage. That's that's not as exciting. You know, it's it's kind of like like an accidental gas fire. You know, it's just not. It doesn't arouse you as much, you know, so I, I guess maybe I don't feel as cheated by not seeing this large explosion. I'll tell you what, Will. I think you have an opportunity here also to, to create maybe a spin-off show where you're, you've got exploding villains or exploding Asians. You know, when he shoots the arrow at the dude, he just, he just blows the pieces. You could start with this film, and then you can move on to uh, Big Trouble in Little China where the, the, the fat man kind of just explodes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like the uh, I like the idea of uh, doing an exploding Asian show. I, I don't know I don't know how long it'll last before I get closed down. Probably for very good. Exploding. <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> okay. Well, I I'm I'm getting the sense that we we may be uh, we may be wrapping up on Rambo. So uh, I'm going to say I think that wraps things up for this show. Hopefully, what you can hear now is the dulcet tones of Frank Stallone singing "Peace in Our Time," the uh, glorious theme song to Rambo 2. Barry, Hiro, thanks for uh, coming on and uh, talking to me about this film. Yeah, man, it was a pleasure. It's an honor to be on the uh, Great Exploding Helicopter. Thanks again. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, Will. Thanks for having us on, man. I enjoyed it. Make sure you go and check out the True Bromance podcast. It's a really great show. Barry and Hiro do a great job mispronouncing the names of famous actors and trashing the reputations of renowned directors. It's always entertaining. It's always honest. Go and find it on iTunes, Stitcher, all the usual places. Don't forget to check out the Exploding Helicopter website. You can also follow what we do on Facebook and Twitter. We'll be back soon, but until then, keep watching the skies for those exploding helicopters. Time is the healing of souls laid to rest. Peace.
This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. Mission recon for POWs in NAM. You'd be temporarily reinstated in the forces, and if the mission's successful, there may be a presidential pardon. You interested? Yeah. Good. Good. Do we get the win this time? This time it's up to you.